You are now entering Frida's world. Tune in as we address various issues faced by women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's world. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's world. It's hump day, and I hope you all are holding on tight. The weekend, I can taste it. It's almost here. And I really hope you guys have something fun planned, at least, to offset whatever stressful week you might have had at work. But before we move forward with the show, we want to give you a quick word from our sponsors. Frida Women NYC is an accessories and apparels line. We use fashion as a platform to help professional women reach their full potential as well as achieve desired results. So make sure to stop by our website, www.fridawomennyc.com. Again, that's www.freedawomennyc.com to shop our latest accessories. So guys, I am not sure if you are all aware, but New York City done did it again. New York City has banned discrimination based on hair. Now, if I had one of those clappers, I would be clapping it right now because this is a huge victory for women of color, people of color, Everywhere, really, because, you know, once New York City starts a trend, the rest of the world will follow. And that's one thing I love about living in New York and being from New York, because it's it's just we're, it's just such a progressive state. And there's always new things coming out in New York. And I feel like New York really takes you know, discrimination issues seriously. And I think that the New York City Commission of Human Rights, I mean, they're they're one of the most progressive in the nation and they have tackled on issues that other states have not even fathomed or at least have not even tried to remedy. And so I think those of us living here are very, very lucky to be part of a state that really has the people as its focus. So, according to the New York Times article that was released early on this week, or I think maybe even over the weekend, I can't remember, um, over the weekend, because we're, it's only Wednesday, um, there are new guidelines that give legal recourse to individuals who have been harassed, punished, or fired because of the style of their hair. Now, the New York City's Human Rights Commission specifically asserts the rights of people to have natural hair, treated or untreated styles, such as locks, cornrows, twists, braids, bantu knots, fades, afros, and or the right to keep hair in an uncut or untrimmed state. Now, under the new guidelines uh, to be released by the New York City Commission on Human Rights, the targeting of people based on their hair or hairstyle at work, school or in public spaces will now be considered racial discrimination. I can only say it's about damn time. Now, some of you guys are probably wondering why where did this come from all of a sudden? What prompted the Commission on Human Rights to, to you know, move forward with this? 
Well, the move was prompted in part by investigations after complaints from workers at two Bronx businesses, a medical facility in Morris Park and a nonprofit in Morrisania, as well as workers at an Upper East Side hair salon and a restaurant in the Howard Beach section of Queens. And so based on... Um, these complaints that have been made by these particular individuals, the New York City um, Commission of Human Rights or Commission on Human Rights um, came out with these guidelines and banned hair discrimination. Now, I don't know about you guys, but me personally, I have been a victim of this racial discrimination by way of hair. I would say that I would go on a limb to say that pretty much any person of color who have, who has ever attempted um, to wear their natural hair out has been a victim of some sort of the racial discrimination. And I mean, it's something that's very uncomfortable. And I think unless you are a person of color, um, you will not understand it. You will not understand it. Some people, you know, just brush it off like it's nothing, but it's really something. I can remember one time um, at one of my former places of employment, um, I had my, I had braids and they were, I think at that time that was the, so it's still the style, the long, long braids that go down your back. And I had a supervisor tell me straight up like, oh, or actually, well, she asked me, are you going on vacation? And I'm like, vacation? She's like, yeah, because you're wearing braids. And I'm like, no, this is my hairstyle. Because I have this thing where I like to wear braids in the fall. I'm not a big summer braids person, which is very it's ironic for some because that's when people tend to wear the braids. It's, war it's warmer out, gives your, you know, your scalp some time to breathe or whatever. But I'm actually a fall winter uh, braid wearer. And so she's like, are you going on vacation? I'm like, no, I'm not going on vacation. And then when she, when I asked her like, why? She's like, oh, because you're wearing braids. I found it to be quite interesting. Like, I don't know if I was so offended. I think I was just more perturbed at the question as to, you know, the fact that, so you think I'm going on vacation because you see the braids. Like it just didn't, I just didn't understand how the, how, you know, one plus one equaled two in that equation. And then she went on to say, well, you should wear braids during the summer instead as the fall. Like, I don't know why you're wearing, you know, you would wear braids in the winter or fall. Like it's, it defeats the purpose. So, I, I mean, I know this particular supervisor had, um, you know, she would always talk about the black friends that she has and how down she kind of is. White supervisor, by the way. Um, but I still felt like I was just kind of like, Really? confused like you really went into a whole deep analysis and gave me a whole like breakdown as to when braids are and are not appropriate and it just didn't make sense to me and so that was one experience um that I had with a supervisor asking me about my hair uh, and whether or not my braids were indicative of a vac of an in, in, you know uh, upcoming vacation, but I did have like even coworkers. I remember at the same place of employment, I had coworkers who would often, when I wore braids again, would ask the question, "Oh, you know, you're going on vacation," and it's I don't know. 
I don't really, I mean, I guess I, I understand maybe where this question is coming from because a lot of women of color do tend to wear braids in the summer when they're going on vacation. But I mean, what if I just wanted to wear braids, you know? So I guess the inquiry, like I don't ask Sally or Becky when I see that they have a new hair color or they have a haircut, if there is a a life event happening to prompt such change of hair. Like I don't do that. So I find it very interesting why, how people... Um, who are not black are so comfortable questioning me when there is a change of hairstyle, right? And I would say even after I left that place of employment, I've always been known to switch my hair up every five weeks. And this is something that started early on in my legal career when I worked in criminal law and I was doing arraignments and I felt like I needed a way to dis- differentiate myself on a weekly basis um, so that the defendants that I arraigned would not um, recognize me in the streets as I, you know, live in Brooklyn and I was prosecuting people in Brooklyn and I was not given private cars to go home. I had to take the train or the bus like everyone. (laughs) So that was a, a, a thing that started then. But then I just kept going with it because I liked the fact that I could change my hair, that I could be so versatile um, with my hair. And so that's something that I did. And so I would wear weaves. I would wear wigs. I would wear braids. I would wear my natural hair out. You know, this is something that I, I just did. But I felt like I did it for me and I was happy with what I was doing. But it was so noticeable by my coworkers and my supervisors because there was always some sort of comment like, oh, I almost didn't recognize you today or, oh, it's you. And, you know, I, I remember there was another incident. I mean, again, I have stories for days because I think a lot of us go through this on a daily or weekly basis. I had a coworker of mine that it was a male, white male. We were engaged in about a 10 minute conversation next to the printer. And it wasn't until somebody yelled out my name that he actually realized who he was talking to. So for whatever reason, I mean, this is a, we, this is a, a, a place of business, right? This was not like some restaurant where we just happened to meet up. We were both working and waiting by the, uh, printer and he engaged in the conversation with me and my voice is my voice it doesn't change when my hair changes my face does not necessarily change when my hair changes it doesn't I kind of remain the same individual my stature my height everything is pretty much the same but after this individual yelled out my name that's when he was like oh my god Rita I did not realize that I was talking to you for the last 10 minutes. Did you do something different with your hair? And for me, I was just like, are you effing kidding me? You got to be kidding me. Like, my dude, we've been working together for, at this point, it had to have been two years. You didn't know that it was me you were talking to at the printer for 10 minutes? You got to be kidding me. And so... At some point, you just don't even know what it is, right? You don't even know what it is. But I say all of that to say this. We have all been victims at some point um, 
of this hair discrimination situation. And it's not something to take lightly because what it does, I think it, it causes us to dim our lights it, in terms of our ex- self-expression. Some of us are afraid to wear our natural hairs out at work for the fear of the questions that, you know, the inquiries that I just talked about, for fear of being maybe too noticeable for being too out there, for not fitting into the quote-unquote workplace culture. Um, you know, a lot of us are, are in a sense, afraid because wearing your natural hair out at work, especially in, in places of business, um, has never been something that's been encouraged or condoned. I mean, there have been situations where supervisors, white supervisors at that, um, who have told their subordinates, told their employees that they need to um, tame, tame that hair, get a relaxer, straighten it out. Straight is better. And the New York Times article had actually talked about incidents where employees were asked to straighten their hair or to do something with that hair because it was just something that the employer felt was not acceptable, was just not natural to the the workplace. And so many of us, and I can say, I mean, for myself, I... I was always um, taught in the sense, I'm not even sure if it's from my actual mother, but I think just from going through society and just going through um, the different institutions that straight hair is what's acceptable in corporate settings and that, you know, wearing braids even and anything like that, anything that's expressive of your culture is not acceptable. So we have been taught from from young, really, that wearing afros and just being yourself in the workplace or in an institution at school is just not acceptable. I mean, how many of us who were in elementary school once we or middle school, once we got to an age um, where we started to be more conscious of ourselves, um, asked to ask our parents to get a perm a relaxer. Um, some of us didn't even have to ask. Our parents were like, all right, you're moving up in the ranks now. We need to perm that hair to make you more socially acceptable. I mean, it's something that's been with us since we were um, children, you know? And I really, I think that this is a great move, this ban um, on hair discrimination. I think it's a great move because it'll give some of us um, the confidence to be able to be more self-expressive with our hair. Some of us are dying to, you know, wear the Afro or to just have our hair out. And then, but we just feel like it's just not socially accepted in the workplace. And we, we, you know, we shy away from it. Um, you know, so it's interesting because I posted this article or I posted the clip of the article on the Freedom Women NYC Instagram. And I did have a couple of people comment. They were just like, this is great. This is amazing, you know, and I think it's amazing as well. But one of um, my followers made a comment that I'm like, you know what? Um, it definitely should be, you know, it can't be ignored in a sense, right? So the follower stated that, you know, sadly, black men have been fighting this battle for decades with regards to shaving their beards and razor bumps. And black women rocked afros throughout the 70s where it was viewed as a problem and unprofessional in the workplace. And she goes on to say that even though this is definitely a step in the right direction, it doesn't prevent discrimination by private employers. And I think that, 
I mean, she definitely has a good point um, with that. Um, you know, it's hard to really, it's, it's, it is definitely a good step. And I'm very happy that we are at this point. But, you know, I guess the bigger question is, does it really prevent um, this type of discrimination in the workplace? Or are employers going to find a different way to discriminate or to math or they're going to mask the discrimination in a way that's undetectable so making these remarks out loud like when are you going to fix your hair or this type of hair is not acceptable like things that are you know overt like that um definitely right we'll be able to pinpoint that as discrimination but if you go on a job interview with your afro with your braids or with your ethnic style hair as they want to um categorize it how are we you know, to say that I didn't get this job because of my hair. I think that's where it starts to become a little, a little tricky as to how to pinpoint in settings like that, right? So many of us, what we have done over the years is, listen, when I go in for that interview, I am making sure that I have my straight hair. If I got to get a wig, I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to wear my suit. I'm going to make sure that I'm interview ready. And when I get the job, I will go through the probationary period. If your job has one, you know, staying prim and proper, keeping that straight hair or less unruly hair, more acceptable hair. And once I'm in, in, then I will start rocking the braids. Then I will start rocking, you know, the natural hair, the weaves and whatever. I mean, not the weaves, but the the the, the afros and, and the, you know, the double strand twist, bantu knots, et cetera. Um, many, many of us have resulted to that because this fear is a real fear, though. You know, like how how in certain settings, how will you actually be able to say that I did not get this job because of the afro that I wore? It It's not as easy to detect as, you know, your supervisor making these, you know, out loud remarks. So I definitely think that although we are in the right direction, you know, Maybe for those of you who work in these extra, extra conservative, um, you know, settings, I guess I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for, but I guess I wouldn't be mad if you still decided to, you know, do what you need to do to keep your job. Because at the end of the day, I guess that's at this point, that is what's important. But um, I think that there are still many ways to fight the fight, even if you are in these institutions and even if you still have this fear, um, you know, if you're going on a job interview, whether or not you can or cannot express yourself. Um, I mean, for me, as I have gotten older and I'm moving forward in life and just, you know, being more in touch with who I am, I would say like for me, if I have a job interview I am going to wear my hair the way I want to wear my hair, whether that's in a weave, whether that's natural. However, I feel like I want to express myself in this job interview. I will do it. And my my motto has always been, you know, whatever's for me is for me. So if I do not get that job because I decided to wear my hair natural and the company, you know, had a problem with it, but, you know, obviously didn't tell me. 
it is what it is. I mean, I think that the only way for real change to truly happen and for the revolution to really get on its way is for we as women of color to stop being afraid of what may or may not happen. And I know it's easier said than done for those of us who have responsibilities. We have kids or we have parents we're taking care of and we can't afford to lose jobs over things like hair. But I mean, I'm a mother as well of a young, of a child who's, you know, only in middle school and I have bills that I need to pay and I have responsibilities beyond that as well too. But I feel like sometimes you just have to take the, your, you know, the step in the right direction. I'm sure these individuals who went and made these complaints at the Commission of Human Rights also had a fear of possibly losing their job if maybe all of this didn't work out. And But they took a step um, not just for themselves, but for women, for all women of color, for all people of color who have been discriminated based on their hair, something as silly as hair, you know? So I think that definitely, um, you know, I can understand the fear that private employers will still discriminate. But again, I mean, we have, we have to take up the banner somewhere. You know, at some point, enough has to be enough. And I definitely think that these examples of our states women, our assembly women, uh, people in high government, celebrities who are out there rocking their natural hair is definitely changing the, 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 the landscape a bit and definitely moving the culture in a more positive direction. And so employers... And other individuals in decision-making capacities are now forced to really reckon with the fact that we are here. We come in different colors, different sizes, different hair textures, and you know that. And we ought to have the right to express ourselves in the manner that we see fit. So um, I had written a blog post. Um, a couple of months ago, so in July of 2018, pretty much talking about the same exact thing about black women and the natural hair bias and the importance of self-expression in corporate America. So this is an issue that's been plaguing the black community for decades upon decades. And again, it's just great to see that we are at a point where this struggle is being recognized and there is kind of a you know, there's a name to it, and then there are rules and regulations to it. I mean, I think the the Commission of Human Rights um, can levy up to two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars to an employer who discriminates against an individual or a group of individuals um, on the basis of hair. And so, in the article, I had actually referenced um, the dean of Hampton University. So, you know, a lot of times we talk about white people and, you know, our white employers um, making comments about our natural hairs and creating a workplace environment that does not allow um, black women the opportunity or the safety really to express themselves in the way that, you know, that's natural to them. Right. But it's also, it's always interesting when you have um, black people, fellow people of color who are the instigators and the perpetrators, right. Of these um, racially charged 
remarks um, and actions towards their own people of color with regards to hair. So in August of 2001, there was a massive outrage in the black community when the dean of Hampton University School of Business established a rule that effectively banned the dreadlock and cornrow appearance. And I think I remember this happening because this was a year before I started college. And so I remember hearing about this and thought, hmm. So the dean had suggested that the ban was instrumental in helping students get access to corporate jobs. And with this assertion, he maintained his position regardless of the pressure. Now, while his argument stemmed from, you know, I guess good intention, you know, because again, we can't really say that he was 100% wrong for his thought process. The action is one thing, but for the thought process, because again, people of color have been trained and we have been brainwashed to think that we cannot, you know, we cannot thrive or be accepted in corporate spaces when we tap into our true selves. So wearing, you know, wearing, um, you know, our hairs natural, right? Um, That was not something that, that would not get us very far um, in the corporate world because there was this notion and this idea that to be corporate, you must be, I guess, in a sense, more white, right? More prim, more proper, um, straight hair, as close to the masses as possible. And so the dean at Hampton University, his goal is to get his students into corporate settings because that's reflective of the university and that's reflective of him. And that's something that society has made um has made a focal point. You go to college to go into corporate settings. You don't necessarily go to college to go into nonprofit settings, into, you know, entrepreneurship settings, right? You go to college and you go to grad school to get into corporate jobs. And in order to get into corporate jobs, you need to look the part, you need to act the part, and you need to speak the part. And so the dean of Hampton University was just doing what he was trained to do what he learned to do his entire life. He probably seen his mothers, his sisters, his aunts um, go through this grooming process to be accepted. And so as the Dean caretaker of the student ensures of their future, he himself thought that he had to do the same thing. And so he instituted this rule, you know, as sad as it is, but I find that a lot of times it's our own people who are saying, uh, 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 where are you going with that nappy hair? You need to put a hot comb through that thing or you need to get your ass a relaxer if you want to be taken seriously in this society, in this corporate world, right? But again, good intentions. He probably had good intentions. I'm sure he wasn't trying to really, you know, discriminate in a sense. Probably didn't see that what he was doing was a form of discrimination. Um... But you can clearly see the natural hair bias, right? And that it's so deep into the fabric of the modern world that black women are encouraged. And in this case with the Hampton University situation, coerced to conform to this standard, right? But again, 
with this massive amount of attention that the natural hair discrimination has gathered, large companies in recent years have come under fire, right? Um, You have our spokespeople out there. You have the Viola Davises, our Lupitas, our Stacey Adams, who are out here rocking their natural hair. And, you know, just trying to change the narrative and trying to move the culture forward. So, you know, this is definitely, I mean, this ban is not going to all of a sudden eradicate this discrimination. But it's definitely a step in the positive, in a positive direction. And the last thing I can say to, you know, all of you all, all of you all, (laughs) all of you out there who are listening to this episode. I mean, many of us have already stepped out and have already started um, wearing our hair as natural. Now, this, this is not to say that, you know, wearing your hair natural is the only way. And this is in no way, shape or form shaming those who wear weaves because I, I am natural under the weave. I am natural under the wig. I wear my hair natural maybe a few times a year. So I am not out here bantu knotting all the time. I do wear uh, wigs and weaves as protective styles. And for those who are still relaxing their hair out there, it's a, it's a choice. It's a, um, it's a preference. It's your personal choice. It's, you know, for me, I had stopped relaxing because I felt like my hair was thinning out. I had all intentions of going back to the relaxer. But then when I kept thinking of chemical burns and all this other stuff, I decided that it was just not something I wanted to do anymore. And the and the more, you know, the more time went by without relaxing my hair, the more I was just like, all right, I guess I'm committed to this natural hair life. But um, definitely, if you are if you are relaxing your hair, it's for your it's your personal choice. You know, for me, it was much easier to live as a natural. I mean, as a relaxed girl, um, it was easy for me to get to work. It was easy for me to maneuver. Um, so it's all about personal choice. But again, for those of you who are out there who are wanting to be natural, who are afraid to be natural, who are afraid to wear the afro at work, but want to wear the afro at work, I would say you know. Do it. Do what you need to do. You know, let's stop letting society dictate what we can and cannot do with our God-given hair, our natural hair. You know, like let's let's stop allowing society um, to force us to just dim who we are, to dim our lights and to just dim our self-expression. Right. Um, These corporate these corporate entities, these corporate settings, they are going to need to learn that black people, again, come in all different shapes, sizes, colors, and hair textures, and they need to start accepting us for who we are. You know, not just... Um, not just when we're in the streets and saying, "Ooh, this is beautiful. Your hair is, is is nice and this ethnic style is nice when we're in the streets. But they need to start appreciating our beauty and appreciating who we are and, and, and our different backgrounds in the workplace. We can't just be cute when they see us on TV. We can't just be cute when they see us on the street. They need to accept us and accept how we express ourselves in the workplace. And until we start... Um, really pushing that envelope, we are not going to see the change that we are desiring to see. And so as we still have nine days left in Black History Month, (laughs) 
Um, let's definitely, I mean, just let's be ourselves, guys. Like, it's hard. I'm not going to say, especially if you work in those very stuffy environments, it is hard. But let's, let's be ourselves. Let's try to be ourselves in the workplace. Like, if you want to wear your hair out, let's just do it. Let's do it. Throw in those braids, you know, if you've never done so before, but always wanted to throw in those braids, throw in that crochet, you know, do that Bantu knot style you've always wanted to do. You know, let's, let's really be true to ourselves, you know, and let's, let's live up to this ban. I mean, this ban is here to protect us. It's here to encourage us to be more expressive with our natural with our natural beauty. So let's do it. So thanks you guys for tuning in to another episode of Frida's World podcast. We air every Wednesday on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Definitely subscribe, subscribe, subscribe in order for us to you know, be popular and to reach more people. Let's subscribe, subscribe, press that button and and leave a comment. And last thing, if you want to be a guest on Frida's World podcast, send me an email at Rita, R-I-T-H-A, at FridaWomenNYC.com. That's F-R-E-E-D-A WomenNYC.com. Send me an email if you have a topic that you want me to discuss. Again, if you want to be a guest on this show, if you have a um, nomination for Frida Women of the Month, send that in. I encourage all sorts of inquiries. I uh, encourage all sorts of questions. If you have a burning question that you want me to answer on the show, I'm down for that as well, too. Um, But thanks again, guys. It's a wrap for this episode. And I'll talk to you guys next week. It's Frida's World. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's World.